brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, I don't know what this world is coming to. Um, the Black Panthers have a 10-point program. They have number five of that program is this, and I'm going to read it. We want decent education for our people that exposes the true nature of this decadent American society. We want education that teaches us our true history and our role in the present-day society. We believe in an educational system that will give to our people a knowledge of self. If you do not have a knowledge of self, of yourself, your position in the society and in the world, then you will have little chance to know anything else. Power to the people. Power to the people. All right, this week we are down to six black hands, so we'll try to do our best <laughs> to represent for Cole in his absence. Introducing the vainglorious Citizen Stewart at Citizen Stewart on Twitter. Introducing the people's principal, Sharif L. Mecki. I'm Ray Akram. I'm just happy to have a seat at the table. This week, we're gonna, our topic of discussion is black history. So sit back and vibe with us as we bring you through. We'll start with Chris. Chris, what, what does black history mean to you, bro? How come our, our people never talk about the great black educators going back sometime? Why are they? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, part of like what Carter G. Woodson said, like, you know, once you control a man's thinking, you don't have to worry about like what they do. Like you already know what they're gonna do. Instead of coming to the front door, they're gonna go to the back door. There is no back door. They're gonna create a back door, right? Like it's so I think, you know, when you when I think about black history, you know, it's you know, one, not just history, it is current. And when we if we have this idea like we stand on shoulders, right? Like some people say the apple falls far from the tree. Other people say the fruit doesn't actually fall. It stands, it rises on its tall on this tree's tallest branches. And I and your your message about the schools, independent schools, black schools, black education, and our uh, you know just tenacity around our legacy of tenacious pursuit of education um, is downplayed a lot. You know, it's uh, you know this idea. I was so part of my black history, our black history. Tomasasa was the African free school that was established here in Philadelphia. Um, you know, we were talking just like how to, you know, continue its legacy. And so I pulled up one of our, you know, parent handbook. On the cover of the page, it says African Free School. And then it says an alternative educational experience. And that really stood out to me because I'm all about alternative educational experience. I became a principal because I wanted to be able to impact the educational experience of black children. And so, like, for me, black history is, you know, this idea that, we, what we want to, self-determination, that's what black history means for me in all aspects, like self-determination, including and especially the education of our, of our children and youth right. and adults so, for that matter. For me, uh, black history for me is, is more so like, you know, I feel like I, I got cheated from my, my K-12 experience because, you know, it was watered down in terms of what's in the curriculum. I was in. I went to school in Louisiana uh, partially, so you, you have that version of, of history. But I feel like I really didn't get my first dosage of just African culture and African American history until I got to college. And it's like when I first, when I took my first uh, AFS class, man, it's like my world changed in terms of like how my worldview became just like Afrocentric in terms of 
I was marveled at like all of the amazing things that our people have done because when you look at it based off of the curriculum, they never tell you that. And let them know what AFS class is. <laughs> African American Studies class, bro. <laughs> um, if you if you listening to this podcast and you don't know that black hands, if you don't know that. You don't need to be listening to this podcast. But, but 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 also, but it, we used to call it say AFS was African Free Schools. Okay. So, but it's in the same vein. But you know, just in case you know people had different experiences. Understood. Now, if so, they don't understand either one of those, then. Then they got a problem. <laughs> no, they just need to listen more. They need to, they That's need to, true. That's true. Y'all need to listen rewind, more. That's rewind, right. Playback rewind, you know? Now, yeah. now, on that vein, some say February is a month that other non-blacks celebrate black history. How do you guys feel about that? Look, I always say, you know, and Stuart made, you know, referenced this, you know, uh, this idea that uh, every day, every month is Black History Month. February, we're just the blackest. You know, so it's like, a, you know, that's how, that's how I tell our is students, you know, like this, month? yeah, we're just the blackest. It's like, when we just like making sure that, but it, it, it can't be something that's contained within, you know, uh, you know, a month, you know, this, this idea, like Carter G. Woodson talks about history and the importance of it. Malcolm talks about the most important subject for black people to study is history. So he's like, no matter what you study, study history on top of that. If you study science, make sure you're studying Two things about science, African right. con contributions to science and also how science has been used by the oppressor to oppress the African people and people mm -hmm. of color. Mm -hmm. And so every, no matter if you're an architect, study it from that angle. If you're a scientist, study from that angle. If you're a mathematician, study it from that angle. So all people need to do that. But I can't, you know, I'm always thinking about this idea that Carter G. Woods has said the thought of the inferiority of the Negro is drilled into him in almost every single class he enters and in almost every book he studies. Wow. And so we have to, to make sure that our students had a fortitude to resist that, to counter that and know and have this, this solid foundation and positive racial identity because the, the world is coming after him because he's a black child. Absolutely. And so making sure that they're equipped to, to address that, to combat that, to counter it, but also build. I had an experience with my son, my oldest son's best friend. I'd known the kid since kindergarten. And I, don't ask me how old he was, but there was a, a grade where he came. I eventually got invited to his bar mitzvah. And, and I didn't know what that was. No one had ever explained to me, like, how long it takes, what it is, what you do there, whatnot. So I go to this thing. And, uh, man, the kid, his name's Brad. The kid is um, reading through all of these long uh, Hebrew text from, from uh, some of it from memory and some of it he's reading through it. And I'm thinking at that moment, I'm like, well, wow. So like Jewish people are transmitting 3000 years of history through their children at some point in their child's life. They're doing it with Saturday school and other ways of teaching. Well, you know, when we talk about the talk with, with black kids, oftentimes we're talking about the talk about how you act with police officers. The talk should be a little bit more than that. The talk should be like, this is how you're centered in the universe. This is where you come from. Like, like I don't know if people know this. Uh, W.E.B. Uh, du Bois wrote a book called the, the Brownies Book. It was a children's book. 
and it, it had like fairy tales and, and, you know, it was meant to be, and this is a long time ago. I would have to look up what year it was. You know, I think, damn, it might even be the twenties, you know, but it was fantasies, folk tales, you know, stories um, for kids, for black children. Think about the fact that that happened way back when, and we're still today trying to find black books for kids today. Well, one of the first ones we should find for them is the Brownie book. And we should not just give them the book, we should tell them it's historical context and then walk them through from, from him to us, you know, from, from Du Bois all the way to us. We have a long, rich tradition, but our kids don't get that. Why? I don't understand why they don't get it. Man, I would be amazing if we were able to do that. Oh, man, the energy. Anyways, uh, staying on this issue of blackness, how do we feel about blackface? Because that's coming up. That's very prevalent right now uh, in the news waves. Um, what, what are your thoughts? Man, I don't even know what to say. Let me repurpose this, right? We're yeah. going to talk about, initially we're going to talk about blackface, just the history of it, and just like, you know, how it was meant to demean us. And then we'll talk about the politicians that are caught up in, you know, feeling like they want to be Michael Jackson. So let's start with just like blackface. I mean, man, listen... Man. Uh, um, <laughs> the idea that there you are go ahead and start, still, man. Like, right. listen, the idea that there are people still doing this in this day and age, and and that they have no idea that it's wrong, like says so much to me. It's, or it, don't it's, care that it's wrong, or, or don't care. But you would have to think that while you're doing it, like while you're putting it on your face, like there would be a thought that go through your head of, hey, maybe this ain't right. <laughs> like, hey, maybe I should not be doing this. Um, what are you thinking? As you're rubbing the stuff on your face and, and, and like saying to yourself, okay, now it looks good. <laughs> now I'm ready. What's going through your head in 2019 was well, not 2019 for some folks who did this, but. I mean, I, I think it's just a manifestation of white supremacy. I, I think, you know, our children will also be able to point to people in their, their contemporaries who will be doing that or similar, um, similar things, you know, you just this past year, there were multiple students who were who were doing this and were, you know, very public about it, you yeah. know, at parties or at a prom or whatever. Like, I, I don't I can't even keep track of the nonsense, you know. Yeah. And so I think, you know, like I, I, I tried to spend most of my time not like pointing out and chasing after what crazy white folks do, but really mm-hmm. making sure that, that my students can build what they want to build, disrupt what they want to disrupt. Um, Because, I I mean, we can, you know, we got 365 days of of black history. We can find 365 days of craziness that's happening, you know, by by white folks doing different stuff in school, educators included. That's right. right? And so, you know, like, I I think, you know, we we can go nuts doing that way. And I think it is important to, uh, to lift up some of it and point to it and use it as a lesson. But it's also like, you know, like just mayhem you know intellectual is it really mayhem important, though? is it really important I, I mean honestly like i think that what you the know, foundation is important not what not what they do right like the foundation yeah. of white supremacy yes that's yeah. that's important no that's important but do you think that people should be getting all freaked out and getting all on you know on online and freaking out who cares somebody put shoe polish on their face I, i'm just gonna play like 
I'll never say devil's advocate, but not God advocate. I'm just going to play the not God advocate. Who cares? <laughs> right? <laughs> like, like somebody put some shoe polish on his face. He looked like a damn fool. Uh, he's talking in a way or acting in a way that he thinks somehow, you know, connotates or denotes whatever uh, black people. So what? Who cares? Yeah, but I don't have a problem with people checking them, but I just, I don't want to spend all my time checking people online for the stupid stuff that they do. If I'm not, you know what I mean? Like I need all, I need most of my energy one, just to, you know, to be an educator. Like it takes a yeah, ton of energy. It takes a ton, of, takes a ton right. of, you know, like just mental capacity and bandwidth. And I want to use like what I have and like, yeah, like people should check them, you know, particularly folks in that's close in proximity to that, to that neighborhood and hold that, that, you know, folks accountable, especially as they later say, Oh, but now I'm the friend of the black people now. So please just like there needs to be, you know, like, nah, bruh. Like I remember when you did this about this is how you really feel about black people. We're talking about Ralph Northam right there now. That's the well, yeah, well, originally I was talking about those, those, those educators and students, but yes, we can also talk about yeah, the, so the let's, governor let's, board too. Let's talk about the governor of Virginia, Ralph Northam. Right. Uh, in 1984, as a 24-year-old, he was uh, pictured in his yearbook in blackface, allegedly, because he's saying that it wasn't him, but that he had participated in another blackface party that was a Michael Jackson theme party. So before I, you guys jump in, I don't even know what color Mike was. I was about to say, wait a second. He had to put on some darker stuff to be Michael yeah, Jackson. That like, that how how untanned is he? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> um, so so then the, qu the question the question that I have for you guys right is that the, the, the um. Escapes my name, the politician that just resigned in uh, the, the Secretary of State, was he Secretary of State in Florida, the Republican who just resigned after he was caught mm -hmm. uh, in blackface mimicking mm -hmm. uh, black folks from Katrina. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, in 1984, is there enough time and enough things that this guy could have done, Northam could have done, uh, based off of his political record, for us to look the other way? Yeah, bro, because like, I'll tell you why. Um, this is why I could look the other way, because every morning, eight million black children walk into schools that weren't designed for them, aren't prepared for them, and not going to help them reach their highest potential. And every week, we come up with something different. You know, me, me and Cole, who's not here today, started on this line of argument when Rachel Dolezal was a thing, right? Okay. And, and, and I remember y'all arguing about that. I remember arguing, <laughs> and, and he just like, like wanted to make a big deal out of it. Oh my God, this is worse. You can't just wake up one day and decide you're black because, you know, being black, whatever, right? I had heard all them arguments. <laughs> what I hadn't heard was a lot of those people that got outraged about that, and then the next thing, and the next thing, and the next thing, and the next thing, and the next thing. I have still yet to hear them say what I just said. And every morning, 8 million black children walk into schools that aren't going to help them reach their highest potential, are basically feeding the prisons and the, the economic alienation system, feeding it every day. And we can't get people to say that, but we sure as hell could get them to jump on these things. Yeah, I mean, I think they, they would say that they are thinking about the children, which is why they're bringing, you know, the ire about the governor or the, the Florida <laughs> politician or the, you know, I, and... Like, so, so should they, should everybody just ignore it? And he just like, yeah, I did that. And, you know, 
tomorrow come I'm coming to come to the ribbon cutting or whatever you know like this <laughs> like what like what should people's response be you know I I do agree to the point of and that's what I meant earlier like you know like we also have to you know like we can get there's always there's gonna be non-stop manifestations of white supremacy and if we chase just that without building you know like our schools our students, you know, um, abilities to, to build, then, you know, we, like we can, we can just be angry and not productive That's right. you know, for 30 years. And so like, I, I want, I want the fire and the fuel to go towards black liberation. And I don't mind people checking chins when necessary also like and calling people out. Like I, I do think that's important, but I think that's why we also need like when movements have all the range of things that are happening, right? Like you look at the Panthers, you had groups doing this, groups doing that, groups doing the media, groups doing political cartoons, groups calling, and some were taking care of the babies, taking care of the kids, right? And so I, I, I think there's, there's space for it, but as a collective, we have to say like, what is our primary mission? And I think, you know, what is the black agenda in schools? And I think that's what, um, you know, has to be fleshed out even more by larger swaths of people. So, fellas, final thoughts on Black History and he Month. Should, and the boy should resign on top of that. Yeah, he, he should, should resign. You think, you think the governor should resign? Yeah, he, he get out. Down. Why? You think yeah. so? Why? Yeah, why not? I, I mean, I mean the, the, the rep, listen, oh, man. We I, I read somewhere today, and, that, and again, I'm, I told you before we got on. And I'm, I was I'm trying just, to close this out. Oh, sorry. I, I told you when we got on, like, I was way behind this, because I don't, I, don't, I don't follow this, this kind of stuff, right? But, like, somebody wrote that, hey, in the 80s, this was acceptable behavior. And I was like, man, I must oh, be in the twilight zone because was I wasn't in that. I wasn't in that world <laughs> where that was okay. I was just that like, was... Where, like, where, like, where was it? Like, just stamped as this is okay in the '80s. And I was sitting there like the '80s. Like, <laughs> like I, I was trying to imagine. Okay, so like, let me ask you a question. It? When was the last time you heard the word "nigger" said in a sitcom on TV? That's a good question. You know what? It's funny because, like, my favorite comedian of all times is Red Fox, right? Okay. There's a, you, could, you could Google this. You could just go on YouTube and find this clip. There, there's a clip of Fred Sanford in court. <laughs> and uh, he says, he, he's making a big point about why there's so many black people in the court, why everybody got busted by this one white cop or something and, and whatever. It's a good point that he's making way back then. He says. They were, he was, they were getting framed, Joe. In right, Watts. but he says, in Watts. he's like, well, where are the white people in here? He said, there's enough niggas in here to film a Tarzan movie. Holy mm. shit. Mm. Okay. This is on primetime TV on a sitcom. That right? must have been, that, that was 76. Tell me you could get away with that today. Tell 76. me what would happen today. You know, 76, but like, listen, because I love old TV. I love old shows. I oh, this wasn't like a stand-up. This was Stanford and Son. This is yeah. Stanford and Son. This is actually oh. Stanford and Son. No, his stand-up was <laughs> something. Yeah, I was about to say, like, I like I've never listened to his stand-up. Yeah. Like, but I'm no, his stand-up it. is crazy. But no, yeah. this is on TV. This is on, like, primetime TV. And he said the N-word on... on um... No, they didn't say the N-word. They said oh. nigger. <laughs> 
Yeah. No. No. Guys, on it. I'm I'm like, like no, uh, no, no. The N word hadn't been invented yet. We didn't know. You know, I would love to do a trace history. There's something wrong with you, man. We started using the N word instead of using the the N word. (laughs) You guys know this. I told you this before. When I interviewed Dick Gregory, he asked me point blank, Chris. When did we ever decide that we were going to call it the N-word? He's like, when, when have you ever heard anybody trying to mitigate the pain that was involved in the Holocaust and call it like the H-word or something like that? Who, who decided that we were going to take this artificial sting off of what this thing is? I like, Look, oh. I know, I know, the only time I, I use that word is when I'm singing something from The Last Poets. Niggas is afraid of revolution. That's what niggas are afraid of. That's the only time I use it, honestly. I I don't use the word. Listen, why don't you arrest some white drivers? I do. You do? Well, where are they? Look at all these niggas in here. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's right at all, but I think people forget how recent some of our advances into politically correct world are. Yeah, mm. definitely. Oh, I like yeah. That so, was never okay, yo. Kansas City spent $2 billion after desegregation. They spent $2 billion on, and this is years ago, these are decades ago, right? $2 billion on brand new buildings. Brand new buildings, brand new places, whatnot. So if you came out of those schools in any of that time, you would remember those schools looking pretty nice. And now today they, they don't look nice. Yeah, you see those test scores. We saw those. But, <laughs> well, that's horrible. I was I would horrible. still say, like, yeah, so two things. One, a pretty school doesn't mean that it's, you know, black kids are getting a good education. And learning, right. Right? Because we can look at plenty of very affluent districts with a handful of black kids. And, you know, sometimes the inner city is having – a black kid in the inner city is having better outcomes than the, kid, the black kid in that affluent suburban school. Oh, man. Yeah, but it, get, it, it gets Integration mad. is the only thing that has worked, bro. <laughs> right. Integration no, is the only see, thing that's, that's ever a, worked. Right? Sharif just hit on a great point, though, because like the, when you think about... See, because a lot of people don't really dig into the data to find out how those black kids are performing in those affluent school districts. And so the performance of the white kids kind of masks their performance, the black kids' performance. So you got to really dig deep. Yeah. And let me just add this, you know, and I'm always talking about Nathamo Sasa because I think it was, you know, just an amazing experience. And I wish all so black t- kids had experience. So tell, like tell the viewers what that is. So Nathamo Sasa is the African free school that um, I attended, a pre-K to sixth grade school. Um, I'm actually doing a presentation, me and some of my former classmates are doing a presentation on this at the Philadelphia Black History Collaborative uh, convening next weekend. Um, and so we're presenting, but like, let me just be, be clear. 
Nithamu Sasa wasn't this beautiful, shining, you know, like, oh, this is that, this is that. It was a converted, not even church, monastery or something. It was converted. So it was like a fixed, in a fixed state. And it was no, the only thing state of the art was black pride, you know, and that's not even state of the art because that's, that's a historical legacy. Um, but so what was in there and what they were producing, it wasn't because they had like, oh, all these shiny colors and, and science labs and all of this. But what they had were people who were absolutely committed to uh, the idea of black intellectualism, black freedom, raising black freedom fighters and ensuring that they are treating those children like they would want their, their own children to be taught. That's, you know, and so, yeah, people can have beautiful looking aesthetics that doesn't automatically translate. Yeah, and yes, and I'm saying that as a person who, yes, I want black children to be able to walk into a school and not feel like, you know what, the people hate me. <laughs> like, they're, they're making me go to this uh, building, right? Like, we send messages to children. That's right. That's right. We send messages to children all the time. That's right. And so what, what message do we send them? There's being told. And not only are you going to this dilapidated building, if you don't, we're going to uh, prosecute your parents, right? Like you are, um, you're going to force your family to send you to this school. But you, no matter what, what we want for our kids is for them to get the message that we care about them by the places we put them in. So anyways, this has been about Black History Month. I, so do we wrap for like with a couple of our last thoughts on Black History Month? Absolutely. Final thoughts on Black History Reef. Yeah, I would say, again, you know, and I, I, I wish people studied Carter G. Woodson, Dr. Carter G. Woodson a lot more. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to end with one of his quotes. You know, he's just talking about this idea of black liberation. He says, this crusade is much more important than the anti-lynching movement because there would be no lynching if it did not start in the schoolroom. And so when we oh. think about the intellectual lynching that our mm. children go wow. through, the cultural lynching, the spiritual lynching, the emotional lynching that the 8 million, many of the 8 million go through in our schools and classrooms is absolutely like that's what I want us to, to uh, bring that energy. That, that whole, you know, firestorm that we see online about, you know, Joker's doing this and that, like that's what I want to see um, so that we can build something that, that is, that's worthy of the 8 million. Absolutely. Chris, take us out. So Black History Month, I mean, people should go and look up who the, the titans of black education history are. We can argue about some of these folks, but Booker T. Washington uh, built 5,500 schools across the American South. Those schools were built by black hands, by black people who were building their own schools. They elected their own teachers. They took care of those teachers. They housed them and paid for them. They, they, they had to put their own money up, nickels and dimes and quarters up to build these, these, these uh, schools that they built. And that was what gave you your first black middle class. If you think of anything, the history of the black middle class came out of those 5,500 schools that he built across the South and then the HBCUs that he was also responsible for seeding. In the, 19, uh, the 1890s, Lucy Craft Laney became the first black woman in the state of Georgia to open basically what was a charter school. She got a charter from the state of Georgia to open a school specifically for black children, right? And, and it was the first one of, of the kind. Out of that school came another teacher named Mary McLeod Bethune, 
who also went mm-hmm. on to start a school and start a college. Mm-hmm. And out of that school, I could keep going down the Bethune list. Bethune like, Cookman. That's right. And out of Bethune Cookman came other people who started other black schools. And through the throughout the decades, you get through to to people like Marva Collins in in Chicago, who one day just says, "This is this is some mess. You're not teaching our kids. I know how to do it." And she does. She takes kids. She starts her own school. She she teaches. Okay. And then you get to today, because we you know we gotta, Go ahead. Good. No, I was gonna say. Well, you know what Stokely Carmichael said. Hey, we we weren't fighting for integration. We're fighting to end white supremacy. So my closing thoughts are this: um, White folks, keep black things off your face. <laughs> black faces uh, are cool. So we're not gonna do that. <laughs> <laughs> that's my closing thought so thank you guys for listening to the eight black hands six this week um if you want to follow us on twitter it's eight black hands one on twitter um you want to follow chris uh i'm the vanglory the vanglorious citizen store at citizen store uh from C- twitter man you messing it up it's the vanglorious vst <laughs> citizen Stewart from twitter all right, bro. I try. <laughs> I have a short one at Cell Mackie S E L M E K K I. I'm at Mr. Ankrum M R underscore A N K R U M. I blog at RaymondAnkrum.com. Thank you. Peace.